All right. Well, we've been in our series called Weeds or Wheat for a couple of weeks now. Uh, I've been enjoying kind of sharing these things. Our, our main verse that we've been using is Galatians 6, 7 and 8. And so, of course, this is what it says. Do not be misled. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Don't be misled. I don't want you to misunderstand this situation that God has set up for you and for me when it comes to this idea of, of reaping and sowing and harvesting and planting. So this is what he says. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. This, this principle that God has given us, we see it not only in our physical world, but really in our spiritual world. The things that we, we plant in our world, we will harvest. There's, there's not an exception to this. There's not a, well, it may not happen for me. This is important, and we have to understand that this understanding helps us look at our growth, how we're growing, how we're maturing, how God is doing all those things in us. And again, we want to make sure you remember this. God wants you to grow and God helps you to grow. Man, I am so thankful that our God doesn't just look at us and say, man, I want you to grow and then leaves. He equips us. He helps us to do these things. We can grow. We can mature. We can do all these things that he wants to do in us and through us because he will help us to do those things. With him, we can accomplish these things. And that's an important thing to understand. So we've been looking at the life of David. We've been taking some time to look through his life, to look at some of these examples, to look at some of the things that happened to him, where we can kind of see that, that principle of, of reaping and sowing and planting and harvesting. And we're going to continue with that this morning. And we're going to continue looking into his life because there's so much insight, there's so much stuff there that we can pull out to look at. And today we're actually going to be talking about something that, that for some of us, you may go, well, you know, I, I didn't really think about this, or I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put this on, on the, the, the top five or ten things when I'm talking about David's life. But I feel like this is something that is extremely important, and it's something, unfortunately, that some of us miss Especially as we look at the life of David, we, we look at his, you know, David and Goliath, we look at maybe even his, his, some of his major mess ups, but this is an important thing that I think we all need that sometimes we think we don't need and we can miss. And so what I want to talk about this morning when it comes to David's life is the first point in your notes and it's this, it's the impact of godly friendship. The impact of godly friendship. Now listen to me. I know some of you may be going, now wait a minute, this isn't as spiritual as I want it to be. Trust me on this. This is a very, very spiritual, important concept that we need to impart into our lives. David used it. David needed it. And I think it's something that we all need to look at because we see a lot of examples in Scripture of this idea of, of, of godly friendship. But before we get into David's life and really kind of look at that friendship that God brought that was a gift to him, I want to look at a couple of verses to see um, where we kind of see how important... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> friendship can be. For first, we're going to look at Proverbs 27. <coughs> excuse me. In Proverbs 27, 17, it says this, As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens 
a friend. That's kind of one of those verses that we've heard before, but it's important to understand that friendship God uses to help us become sharp. And here's the thing, you may think this is kind of funny or weird, but I, I will be honest with you when it comes to me, there's a lot of time where I become dull, okay? Now, hopefully that's not dull as in I'm boring, but in this idea of sharpness, my life can become dull. I need people in my life. I need friends in my life. I need people in my life that will sharpen me again. Because sometimes what we can do is we can kind of, kind of forget those areas in our life that we maybe need to work on. We kind of become dull and we kind of become, um, kind of forget about those things. And a good friend can come and he, can, and he or she, depending on who we are, you know, they can sharpen us again. We can kind of rub against each other. And here's the thing to understand that. There's friction there at times. There's, there's heat there at times. But at the same time, a friend will come and they'll sharpen us again. And that's an important thing because we can all become somewhat dull. Let's look at Proverbs, uh, another verse in Proverbs. Proverbs 17, 17, it says this, A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. One of the most important things to me, and, and this, is, this is me, when I think about friendship and I think about how I, a friend I want to be is, is the idea of loyalty, the idea of being there, the idea of, of how important that is to know, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get into David's life, that idea that somebody's got your back, that you're not alone, that you're not going through these things alone, that you know there's somebody there that's supporting you, that's loving you, that's praying for you, that you know they're there to help you. Another one that we're going to look at, Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6, it says this, and, okay, and this one kind of goes along with the, the first one, uh, but it says this, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Wounds from a friend are better than kisses from an enemy. Why? Because the idea here is that friendship, that sincere friend is doing these things because they love you, because they want to help you, because they want you to grow, because they desire God to do something even greater in your life, and you desire God to do something even greater in their life. And sometimes, remember we talked about that idea of being dull, sometimes to do that, we have to work on each other, and there's that sharpening that is there, and it's important. This is in your notes, and I think it's important that you catch this. One of the most advantageous resources that you can have in your life to help you grow in your faith is a good, godly friend. This is a big deal. This is one of those things that we need to understand, because here's the thing, sometimes... We're not really good friends. Sometimes we think that we're okay and we don't need those people in our lives. But we're going to see that those individuals in the life of David really make a huge impact. They really preserve him and they really help him. They really do some amazing things. And listen, we need these people and we need to be these types of people to others. One of the things that that is interesting to me is to see people who think that their walk with Christ is them, Jesus, and no one else. Now, obviously, it's good that they included Jesus in that, okay? Well, that's a good start. But you know what? We need each other. We need each other. One of the reasons, listen, where I believe 
church is so important. One of the reasons why being here or being online is so important is because we get to be a part of each other's lives. We get to pour into each other. We get to be there for each other. We weep with those that weep. We rejoice with those that rejoice. We need each other. Listen, if you are living in the delusion and the lie from the pit of hell, and I mean it when I say those things, that you can do this by yourself, trust me, you need other people. You don't need them for salvation. You got Jesus for that. But you need to have people that you can be a part of their life, pour into their life, have you pour into their life. This is important. This is a vital thing. And it will help you grow and it will help you mature into the man or woman of God that God has destined you to be. Because God loves to use us to do his work, to be a part of what's going on in others' lives. So listen, we're going to take some time and we're going to look at a friend that David had that was a major impact in his life, that was a major part of his life. And we're going to look, because here's the thing I found. When I talk about godly friends, when I talk about what those look like, we don't always know what those things are. We don't always know how to be those things to others. So we're going to look in the life of David and a friend that he had, and we're going to look at some characteristics of godly friendship. We're going to look at friendship because here's the deal. Here's what I found. We sometimes think people are our friends and they're not. Sometimes we think we're a friend and unfortunately we're not the type of friend that we need to be. We're going to be in 1 Samuel this morning. We're going to be looking at 1 Samuel 18. Then we're going to jump a little bit further on. And we're going to look at this relationship and this friendship between two individuals, David and a man named Jonathan. Jonathan was an interesting person because Jonathan was Saul's son. Okay, And so this is, this is not just some guy. This is a guy who is literally in line next to be the king of Israel. Okay? And basically, this is the guy that David and, and him have a very close relationship with. And we're going to look at that relationship together. But I want to first, as we're doing that, I want to look at these, these characteristics of a godly friend. The first one in your notes is this. Jonathan, to David, was a selfless friend. A selfless friend. Let's look at 1 Samuel 18. This kind of, kind of begins to open up the story here. It says this. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Okay? His own soul. Jonathan and David, they meet, and they automatically have this connection, this friendship begins to form. And again, what's interesting is this is probably the last guy that David would have been friends with. At this point, David has already fought Goliath. He's already been anointed the next king of Israel. David knows God's calling on his life. And here's an interesting thing. If you think about it, the, one, the last guy that David probably would have been friends with was Saul's son, Jonathan. But they have a connection, they have a friendship that begins to form. And, and, and in that understanding, you begin to see, and we're going to open this up a little bit more as we kind of dive into it, this idea that, that Jonathan loves him, cares about him more almost than himself. Okay? 
He has this, this concept of, of, of loving more than himself. A thousand years roughly later, after this relationship happens, we see Jesus having a conversation with some Pharisees in Matthew 12. And in Matthew 12, they're beginning, they're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to keep him from, uh, they're trying to get him to say something basically silly or wrong. And in Matthew 12, they ask him a question. They basically say, so, so what's the greatest commandment? What, what, in an attempt to, to trap him. So in Matthew 12, 36, this is where we kind of pick up the story here. It says this, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And so Jesus now is going to answer them here in verse 37 through 38. It says, Jesus replied, Okay, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, okay? So Jesus starts and he focuses on the first thing, okay? Listen, if you want to be a godly friend to somebody, you've got to start with the godly part. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. You've got to know him and, and, and love him in this way, and that's an important thing. Okay, now let's continue with verse number 30, I believe 39. Says, uh, and says, and second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. As we look back to this verse in, in, in 1 Samuel 18, what do we see? We see this idea of Jonathan loving David as his own soul. He loves him as he loves himself. Even knowing, even knowing that David is going to really kind of take his rightful place as the next king of Israel. But you have a friendship here that is so selfless, so concerned with his friend, that he's willing to lay down other things, and he is connected with him in an amazing way. And it's important that you catch this, because here's the deal, because not only do we need this, but we want to be this for everybody, but this is what it says, it's, it's great to have a friend that is great at the second commandment. It is great to have a friend who is great at the second commandment. I heard that from a pastor one time. I was like, man, that is so good. I want to be a friend that is great at that second commandment. That, that, that it's great at loving people and loving their friends more or how they love themselves. And David did that. David, or excuse me, Jonathan did that for David. And David did that for Jonathan. They had a close friendship. So it was a selfless friend. Next, Jonathan was a sacrificial friend. He was a sacrificial friend. Look at 1 Samuel 18. We're going to continue now with verse number 2 and verse number 3. It says, And Saul took him that day, and, not, and took him, him is David. Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him, again, as his own soul. Now that word covenant is an interesting thing that we need to understand. We're going to look at that in just a second. But David and Jonathan make a covenant with each other. They promise each other. They are, they're, they're coming together as a friendship and they're basically kind of defining it. They're basically saying, hey, this is important. It's, it's not just something that happens. It's something that they have kind of uh, something together. Now, we in our world today, we, we don't always understand the idea of covenant. We kind of have a better idea of the word contract. Okay, If I said the word contract, we would know. However, hopefully when you go to a wedding or you're seeing someone being married, you see this idea or communicated from the pastor, this idea of a covenant. 
A covenant is something important, and it's a little greater than a contract. We're very familiar with contracts, but there's something very different about a contract and a covenant. And this is in your notes, okay? If you think about a contract, this is what it is. A contract is about guarding rights and pushing off responsibility, okay? It's, a contract is put in place to protect you from something happening. It's, it's to make sure that you are taken care of, you are protected, you are guarded against certain things. You are forcing someone basically to follow the law of the contract. If they don't do that, then bad things can happen, kind of a thing. But it is really about you and guarding you. A covenant is something different. A covenant is about surrendering rights and assuming responsibility. That's why when I have a marriage ceremony and I'm going to marry somebody, I don't look at them and talk about the contract of marriage. I don't talk about that. I say the covenant of marriage. Okay, The covenant of marriage is completely different than a contract of marriage. This idea that David and Jonathan had was an idea where they were like, you know what? I'm going to surrender these rights. I'm going to surrender these things to you. I'm not going to be so worried about me and what I need as much as I'm going to be worried about you and what you need. It's one of those things that in a friendship can, can really be important. And obviously in a marriage, it can be huge. Listen, if you're a married couple right now and the biggest thing you're concerned about is your needs and your stuff and what you want and how you want things to go. Listen, I would say right now, as I'm being honest with you, you are in a marriage contract with your spouse and you need to switch that up and get into a marriage covenant again with your spouse. To where you look at them and say, you know what? It isn't about me. It's about you. It's about surrendering those things. And so here we see this, this beginning to take place. This covenant beginning to take place. And here's the thing. When you get married, and I'm using marriage as an example because it's, it's one we all understand. We give each other things. Okay, you come and you get married. I'm going to ask you a question. If you come and say, Aaron, will you marry me and my spouse? Sure, absolutely. I'm going to ask you a question sometime during that ceremony, more than likely. I'm going to say, you know, what do you have as a symbol of your promise or of your covenant? And you know what you're going to probably say? You're going to say, a ring, a ring. And you're going to give that to each other. You know what? It, it seals that covenant. And, and Jonathan give some things to David to seal the covenant of friendship that they have. And we see that as we continue in 1 Samuel 18, verse number 4. So here's what it says. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Now listen. To us, in our world, 2020, we're going, okay, well, well that's nice, that's, that's, that's kind. But listen, this is very symbolic back in those times. This meant some things that we need to look into a little bit greater, okay? So this is in your notes. But each of these items, not, we're not going to talk about them each individually, but they, they symbolize some things. So we're going to talk about the robe because we looked at here. He takes off his robe and he gives it to David. Listen, the robe, it symbolized... The authority of kingship, and this is important, and David's recognition that David will be the next king of Israel. By Jonathan taking his robe off and putting it on David. Listen, this was Jonathan saying, listen, it's not my, I'm not going to be the next king. It's going to be you. 
he was understanding. You talk about a friend that is sacrificial. He is laying down power. He's laying down fame. He's laying down to be the next king of Israel. And he goes, nope, nope, David, it's not mine. It's yours. That's the type of friend that he is. He's not just saying it. He's literally showing something. And now, next, he gives him, you know, his armor, his sword, his bow, and his belt, and all those things. Listen, those things represent something as well. What Jonathan is doing by giving him those weapons and those things is Jonathan is equipping and empowering David to fulfill the destiny and calling God has on David's life. Now listen, this is a big deal. I love this, okay? Because a lot of times, you know, let's be honest, and I know I've done it, we, we kind of read this passage of Scripture and go, okay, great, give him some presents, and you move on, okay? Jonathan, his friendship is so sacrificial, he is literally giving him the tools to accomplish the things that God has called him to do. That is an amazing friend. Listen, that is the type of friendship that is godly, that God has called us to with people. That not only would we be so sacrificial that we would take off our robe to place it on them, but that we would literally give them the tools to, listen, hear me here, to literally almost take things away from us that were rightfully ours. He empowered him. He equipped him. You know what's interesting? Because I was thinking about this as I was studying it this week. Jonathan gives him his armor, okay, that's important, the sword, the bow, and the belt, okay? And David takes them, okay? He doesn't deny them. And I started thinking about that as just kind of looking at that and thinking about it. And you know what? There was another time where David was offered armor and a sword, and he didn't take them. And it was King Saul. You remember the story? He's fighting. He's getting ready to fight Goliath. And what does Saul do? He says, take my armor. And David doesn't take it. David says it doesn't fit. It doesn't, it, it, it will hinder me in my battle. And man, it's so interesting here that in this covenant of friendship, in this bond where God brings these guys together to support each other, to help each other, to be there for each other, to literally preserve the life of each other, that when that armor fits, it empowers and equips, okay? And that's a big deal. Listen, I want to be a friend to people. I need people in my life to help equip me and empower me to fulfill the destiny God has for me. That's the type of friendship that God desires us to have. Man, that's big. And man, we need to understand that. Number three, Jonathan was a strategic friend. A strategic friend. Let me tell you, let me show you what that means. Look at 1 Samuel 19. 1 Samuel 19 we kind of moved on a little bit, okay? And now we're starting to see Saul's intentions coming out. And, and we're going to look at it here, obviously, in the verse. In 1 Samuel 19, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. It says this, Saul now urged his servants, and he takes even one step further, and his son Jonathan to assassinate David, okay? So Saul here has kind of decided that it is time, this guy is too much of a threat, he's too much of a problem, and so he has basically gone to his servants and even his son and said, hey, you got to take this guy out. He is going to take uh, what's rightfully yours. you got to take him out. It says, but, da- but Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he said, 
uh, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields, okay? I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything that I can find out. Let's go on to verse number four. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to all of Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for it at all. Jonathan is a strategic friend. What, what am I talking about? What, what does that mean? Let's kind of break down this story just a little bit. Jonathan has been told by his father to take David out. Okay, we have a problem. And Jonathan has realized, obviously, this is a problem. Okay? He has identified the problem. Listen, I, let's be honest. We're, uh, most of us are very good at problem identification. Okay? Most of us can look at the issue and go, there's the problem, okay? What is even less notable or less normally happens is not only can you have uh, somebody that finds a problem, but then you have somebody who can find a solution. We are very good, unfortunately, at times of telling people what they need to do, okay? There's a problem, and so we kind of, we identify the problem. We go, okay, here's the problem. And then we go, okay, here's the solution. And we're really good at saying things like this. Here's what you ought to do, or here's what I would do, or here's, here's what you should do to rectify that issue. But a strategic friend doesn't just see a problem, and they don't just identify or even a solution. A godly friend takes one step further and becomes a part of the solution. Look what Jonathan does here. He doesn't just say, hey, David, my dad's out to kill you, dude. Good luck. He doesn't just say that. He doesn't just say, hey, listen, go hide. Jonathan inserts himself into the situation and says, listen, I want you to go hide and I'll speak to him. He tells his dad, listen, he, he tells how great a guy David is. He begins to say, listen, don't you remember what happened? Basically, you were the guy who was supposed to fight the giant, and you didn't. And David does. And God brings this great victory. He even reminds him, and hey, remember how happy you were about this? He begins to work on behalf of his friend. He doesn't just see a problem. He doesn't even just come with a solution. He says, you know what? I want to be a part of God's work to bring forth something great from a problem. That is a great friend. That is a friend who is strategic, that's looking at the situation and goes, how can I be the best friend that I can be? Listen, I think you need to understand this. Friendship is not something you fall into like a lake, okay? You don't just fall over into friendship and become a great friend. You gotta be strategic. You gotta work at it. You gotta, anytime you have a relationship with anybody, as we kind of go back to the, the verse in Proverbs, there's gonna be friction. There's gonna be some, some moments that are difficult and hard. And we need friends, we need to be a friend to people who can look at these things and say, hey, listen, not only can I identify the issue, not only can I be a part, uh, give you an answer, maybe what you should be doing, but man, I wanna be a part of that with you. I wanna work with you in this. I wanna be there for you in this. I wanna take this problem that maybe 
is going on and be a part of the solution when God takes the issue and makes something wonderful come out of it. Jonathan was that way with David. He was a strategic friend. The final thing, and this is a big one, Jonathan was a supportive friend. Jonathan was a supportive friend. We're going to now jump to 1 Samuel 23. 1 Samuel 23, 15 through 18. It says this, While David was Horish in the desert of Zimp, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. Okay? David is kind of out, he's hiding, and he knows Saul's coming from him. And then it says in verse 16, And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid. Listen to what Jonathan says to David. Remember, Jonathan is the guy that's supposed to be the next king. But listen to the words that he says. Don't be afraid. My father Saul, listen, will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel and I will be second to you. Even my father knows this. The two of them again make a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horish. Man, what a friend. He, he's there. Listen, Saul is out to take his life. He is, he is out to find him and kill him. Jonathan goes to his friend and he basically encourages him. He basically builds him up. He says, you know what? God's got you. God's got this. Listen, listen, hear me here. In our world today with all that's going on, we need to be that type of friend to each other. Because you know what? There's times where we get frustrated and we get scared and it feels literally like, like the hounds of hell, if this makes sense, are chasing down us. And you know what? There is times we need that friend to have that encouraging word, to have that kind word, that reminder that says, you know what? God's got you. My, no matter how much my father goes after you, you know what? He's not going to touch you. God's got you. God's going to protect you. There is hope. There is joy. There is peace. Why do we need each other? Man, if this was it, and there's more, obviously, we talked about it, but if this was it, this would be enough just to encourage one another with the truth of God's word, the truth that God has given us, that truth that, that when David was anointed, back by Samuel, that he would be the next king. You don't think there were times in David's life where he was like, man, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe this prophet made a mistake. What is all this? Why am I? I haven't done anything. I, I haven't done anything wrong. And here I'm running. I haven't hurt any. I mean, this is big. And what does Jonathan do? He goes to him and he encourages him. He supports him. He says, you know what? This will happen. Not to ruin the story, but a lot of Theologians, a lot of biblical scholars feel like this was the last time that David and Jonathan actually were together. A little bit later on in 1 Samuel, Jonathan is killed with his father in a battle. And, and later on, we're not going to get into it, but later on in, in, in Samuel, um, when David becomes king, and I, I don't remember if it's in 2 Samuel or not, maybe 1st or 2nd, but in there... Um, Man, this friendship has such an impact on David that years later, 
David is still doing things, trying to do things to honor his friend Jonathan. And in a time where typically you would find everybody that was a part of the, the last kingdom that you kind of you know, took over for, the, last, the, the family of Saul, and, and you would just wipe them out. David does it, and he, he shows kindness because of his friendship, David. You see, friendship, godly friendship, man, it impacts you, and it impacts you for years and years and years. There are friends, and there are people in my life that because of time or distance or, or whatever, I, I don't see very often, but you know what? Their friendship, their godly friendship, their support, and, their, and, and all those things are still affecting me today because of the friend that they are, and we need this in our lives. So let's kind of bring this to a close and kind of talk a little bit some application here in verse or chapter excuse me in point number three and let's look at three truths to understand about godly friendship but just three there's obviously a lot more but there's just three I think that are important that we focus in on today as we kind of close this out number one without people to love and be loved by we cannot grow without people to love and be loved by, we cannot grow. We cannot grow in the way that God has wanted us to grow. Why? Because we see this concept all the way, all the way in, in Galatians where this idea of planting and harvesting, if we're not planting, if we're not, if we're not putting things into people, if people aren't putting things into us, there's not going to be growth. There's not going to be the growth that God wants to have in you and in me. Listen, I'll just share with you a part of my life. There's been times where, where I have had many friends and times where I have, probably haven't had as many friends. And I will be honest with you, the times that I have had close friends, friendships that have been that iron sharpening iron, that, that, that those friendships that were godly friendships, those have been the times in my life where I've grown the most. Those have been the times where God has used the things that God is doing and what he's doing in them to bring forth the most growth in me. We need these people in our lives. And it's important. And here's what's great about this. This is number two. We don't just need a friend like Jonathan. We must be a friend like Jonathan. Okay? Here's the thing. Let's just be honest. A lot of us maybe have been sitting here and listening to this, and you know what our thoughts have been? Well, I don't have a friend like that. Man, I, well, I sure wish I had a friend like that. And, and, and unfortunately, probably some of us have been thinking about the friends we do have, and gone, boy, they don't always act like that or, or whatever. Listen, listen, obviously we need a friend like Jonathan, okay? But we need to be a friend like Jonathan, Okay? We need to be that friend to people. I was a youth pastor for 15 years. I can't tell you the number of times where I had kids walk up to me or parents walk up. You know, my friend doesn't, my, my kid doesn't have any friends or nobody likes me or I don't have any friends. And I, I'm sorry, I was a horrible, terrible youth pastor. I'd look at him and say, well, are you being a friend to them? Are you willing to step out? It was always this thing, well, well I came to youth group and nobody talked to me. Well, who did you talk to? Nobody. It was always someone else's responsibility. Listen, that's a contract, not a covenant. We have to be willing sometimes to be that friend. And here's what's awesome about that. If we go back to Galatians, I truly believe if we will plant those types of things in others, we will harvest those types of friendships back. 
we'll see that in our lives. But listen, if you're just sitting here going, well, I need friends like that. You know what? Trust me, you're right. You do. But you need to also be this type of friend. This isn't just characteristics of a friend that you need. This is characteristics of the types of friend that you need to be. And look, I get it. It, it can seem so big. And how do I do this? And, and, and it's important that we catch this. You know, Jesus had 12 disciples, okay? But he had three really close friends. And I'm not saying that he wasn't friends with the others, okay? Don't get me. But, but there, there seemed to be a, a deeper level here. Listen, unfortunately, what we can time, try to do is we can try to try to be this type of deep covenant friend with everybody. And I don't think that we see that in Scripture. I don't think we're made that way. But listen, we need to have those tight, close covenant friendships with, with, with some very few individuals. And it doesn't mean that the others aren't important. It doesn't mean that we won't do things for them, obviously. But, but there's, there's that important thing. Because unfortunately, what I tend to see is because maybe I have so many friends or, or it seems so big that I can't be a covenant friend with people that I need to be. But listen, this is important. It's in your notes. Don't let the fact that you can't be a friend uh, like Jonathan to everyone paralyze you from being this type of friend to someone, okay? Be this type of friend to someone. Listen, don't, don't try to be this type of friend to 20 people right now, okay? Number one, you probably won't be able to. And number two, it'll, it'll keep you from being the type of friend you need to be to the one. Focus maybe on the one. Let that be your starting point, and then you can go from there, okay? But not only do we need this friend, we need to be this type of friend. And the final thing, and boy, this is big. Jonathan points us to Jesus. Do you realize that? Jonathan points us to Jesus. Jonathan and the relationship and the covenant he had to David, we can see Jesus in that. And man, if that's not the most important thing about all of this, I don't, I don't know what is. Because look, 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 at, look at Philippians 2. Okay, think about what Jonathan did and listen what it says in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It says this, in your relationships with one another, in your friendships, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, now what we're going to see here is Paul is going to tell us what that mindset is. Okay, and tell me, as I read this, tell me, think of yourself, who is this sounding like that we've just studied, that we've just looked at? Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on earth. Now listen, I obviously understand there's some differences here. There are some differences here between, between Jonathan and Jesus, but you know what? There's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of similarities. And listen, I know this is a little bit longer than I usually put in your notes, but I think it's so important. I put it in here, and I want you to follow along with me. This is what it says. The son, Jonathan, who set aside his standing with his father, Saul, to intercede on behalf of the one who is David under his father's wrath teaches us something. Here's what it teaches us. It teaches us about the son who is Jesus who set aside 
His standing with the Father, who is God, to intercede on the behalf of the ones who is us, every human being, under His Father's wrath. Isn't that amazing? You know, sometimes people will look at me and they'll say, oh, you know, the Bible is just a book. It's just, just a collection of just fairy tales and all these things. Man, I, I just, every time I look in Scripture, there's just such a cohesion. There's just such a, it's, you know, it's, it's like a, a quilt, you know, that just all fits together. And we see this in Jesus. We see this in Jonathan. Jonathan here is the next king. He is the guy. He is the man. He is the guy that's going to become king. And what does he do? He lays that stuff down so that someone else can have that place. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus in heaven, man, where we all want to be at the right hand of the Father, he lays down those things. He comes to earth so that we can have protection, so that we can experience, listen, 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 sonship and daughtership with God. We have been adopted into the family of God. There's been times where I've heard, because God is the king, we have been made king or princes and princesses. You know, we, we, we are part of that family. We're a part of the royal priesthood. Why? Because Jesus came. Because Jesus was a friend. Listen, listen, you go back in the notes. Listen, Jesus was a selfless friend. Jesus was a sacrificial friend. Jesus is a strategic friend. And Jesus is a supportive friend. And what's so awesome about this is in John 15, as Jesus is speaking with his disciples, he makes a comment to them. And he basically says, listen, you are no longer who you were. You are now friends. He points us to Jesus. Look at John 15, 13. This is what it says. Jesus in that moment says these words, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. If John, if you want to come on up, we'll kind of close with a little bit of music. You know, what's amazing about that verse is, is Jesus is speaking it knowing he's about ready to do that. He's knowing that he is about ready to lay down his life and he calls his disciples his friends. He calls us friends. And when we look, listen, when we look at Jonathan, we can see the model of Jesus. And what's interesting about that is, is what are we called as Christians to be? We're called to be like Jesus. We're called to live a life like that. And a lot of us, we, 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 we talk about this a lot, about being a light to our world, but, and that's great, and that's important, don't misunderstand me, but, but are, we, are we that type of light to the friendships that God has given us? You know, this would have been a real easy story in David's life to skip over. But, but this is a major impactful event in his life. This friendship was a gift from God to help him during some very difficult, hard times in his life. 
when David is running, when David is, is, is on the run trying to survive and going through all these things, boy, he had a friend. A friend that in some ways, in another verse in Scripture, sticks closer than a brother. You know, in a lot of ways, this covenant relationship, if this will help us understand it, it's like David and Jonathan became brothers. They became so close. They had a, a covenant with each other, and it, and it mattered. And, and we see in the life of David, because of this, um, some, some really awesome, beautiful stuff grow up. And listen, if we want to grow the way God wants us to grow, we need friends in our lives. We, we need godly friends that are going to sharpen, that are going to help, that are going to be supportive and strategic and selfless and sacrificial. We need those types of friends. But, but listen, we also, we also need to be that type of friend. Okay? And so if you're sitting there going, man, you know, I, I, I really don't have a friend like that. You know, maybe, maybe you need to be that type of friend first. Maybe you need to be that type of friend. But l- let me ask you a question. And, and, and here's, here's, here's how this will help you know if you've got a friend like this, okay? Or if, if you are a friend like this. And just kind of go with me. Is there somebody in your life that at 2.30 in the morning, they called and said, I just need you to be here. I, I need you to talk with me. I need you. To, would you get up and get to their house? Well, I don't live there. Would you, would you stay on the phone? Would you do whatever it took to be there? I, I have a weird saying, and yes, I understand it's kind of morbid, but just go with me here. I think there are people in our lives that we need to, and I, I call them coffin friends. I know that sounds morbid. You're going, what in the world does that mean? It means this. There are people that God has placed in my life, and one of two things will happen in our relationship, okay? At the end of it, I'll either carry their coffin or they'll carry mine. Meaning, that's my friend for life. I'll either be their pallbearer or they'll be mine. And that is the type of covenant relationship that God wants us to have with some people in our lives so that we can be there, so we can help each other, so that we can support each other, so that we can deal with all this stuff. Listen, this is what's so great. Listen, not only do we get God, not only do we get Jesus, which is really all that we need. Trust me here, it's all that we need. God still looks, and he goes one step further. You want to talk about God. God doesn't just look at us and say, you know, here's the glass, I'm going to fill it to the, literally the top. God takes it and he overflows it. You know what that overflow is? That overflow is those friendships that God placed in our lives. Adam, in the very beginning, is walking in the garden. He's having this unbelievably close, intimate relationship with God. And what does God the Father, in all his wisdom, knowledge, and understanding say? He says, it is not good for man to be alone. God says this to Adam, who's got this unbelievable, I mean, like walking in the garden, hanging out every day, relationship. And God goes, you know, this isn't good. This isn't good. He needs people. He needs that friendship. And you could say, well, you know, well, God was, God brought the wife and all these things. Yeah, 
And, and, and that's an important person to be a, have a close friendship with, your spouse. But you know what? If you're not married or, or even if you are, listen, God doesn't limit you to that one close friend. There's others that God wants to bring in your life. God wants to use you in other people's lives to have that covenant relationship that, that literally changes their life. Remember, remember, God wants you to grow and God will help you to grow. And this is one of the ways that God does it. Is he allows us to be this type of friend and to have this type of friend. This is God ordained. This is God's plan. And we need to, let's be honest, some of us, we need to start getting with the program and getting with this plan and allowing those people into our lives. Please don't misunderstand me. These people shan't, could not, cannot and should not ever replace God. Okay? Jesus said, first commandment, love God. But the second, he said, is to love others as you love yourself. Now, obviously, he was talking about everybody. But I think it's very easy to see that God has created us to also have those intimate friends that we can go to no matter what. So whether you need to be that friend and you need to begin to pour into the life of others or you need to accept that friend, whatever you're at, wherever you're at, here's the deal. I believe that God has that friend for you and I believe that God can equip you to be that friend to somebody else. So listen, will you pray with me? Because I think this is a big thing for us. I think this is a big step in our world today where, where we have kind of pushed people away. Our friends are, are things that we count online as far as how many we have on a social media platform. And I believe that that, that, that is not what God meant when he talked about this type of friendship. And so I believe God wants to help us in this. And I think it's a very important part of our growth as individuals, as a church, as a community, and as a world. So will you pray with me? Father, we come to you right now. And God, we thank you for our friends. God, we thank you for the people that you have placed in our life to help us to grow. Father, they don't replace you and they're not going to replace you. You are number one. We will love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. But Father, you have placed people in our path and in our life, just like you placed in David's life, in Jonathan, that will be a friend to us that can literally change our world. And Father, not only that, but you have called us to be that friend to somebody else. And when that covenant friendship is going, and when the need of that other person is being taken care of, 
man, that is a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. It is an iron sharpening iron. And man, sometimes I'll look at people and I'll go, boy, they're sharp. And I'm not talking necessarily about their intellect. I'm talking about their spiritual maturity that they have because they have been working on another person. And that other person, they've been sharpening each other with God's word. And they've been sharpening each other with positive um, understandings of our situations. They've been, they've been saying, hey, this is what God's word says. You don't have to be afraid. Hey, I'll be there for you. Whatever you need, I'm, I'm there. I, I will lay down what I deserve so you can have those types of friends, God. There is a sharpness in those relationships that is just incredible. And God, you have that for all of us. But some of us, Father, we need to kind of get off the sideline and we need to stop demanding that type of friend and start being that type of friend first. Father, for some of us, friendship is a scary thing because we've been hurt. Relationships, close relationships have, have been hurtful to us and so we are scared of those things. But you know what? Here's the deal. Perfect love drives out all fear. And because, just because we've had a bad situation doesn't mean that, God, you can't still bring restoration into a brand new relationship. So, Father, I pray that you even, even now, God, you would begin to place people in our hearts, in our lives, and you're saying, you know what, that's the friend I have for you. Or, or you need to be that type of friend to them. And that, Father, in this, not only can we have a deep, intimate friendship, but, God, that you will take those things, those things that we have planted, and you will bring forth an amazing harvest of growth and closeness and maturity in our friendships and in our relationships. All of them, God. God, you're so good. And, God, we trust you in all all the stuff that's going on. But God, we understand this principle. And God, I pray that you would help us not just to understand it, but to live it out in each other's lives. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Man. Listen, if, if, again, I just want to mention this, okay? If, if you haven't um, signed up, be like, we, we don't know who you are, okay? We don't have your information, please. Um, we, I promise we won't sell it anywhere. We will simply just put you in so you can get some emails so you can be aware of what's going on, okay? At any point, you don't want to, you want us to bother you anymore, you can unsubscribe and be done with us, okay? But please... Let us know who you are, okay, so that you can be aware of what's going on. This is a very fluid situation that's going on, and we really want to keep you informed of what's going on. But listen, okay, listen, be a friend to somebody. Let somebody be that type of friend to you, okay? And, and I believe and know that there's going to be an amazing harvest of close, intimate friendships and, and growth in our lives because of it, okay? Listen, I miss you. I love you. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I will hopefully see you very, very soon. Again, keep uh, aware of what's going on. Check the social media, check your email, and we'll keep you informed as best we can of what's going on as things are kind of changing, all right? I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Have a great week.